Hello. Hey, everybody. We are live. Woohoo. Finally working out this amazing new app, StreamYard, you guys. If you haven't tried StreamYard, you need to. Um, it is absolutely amazing. And you can go live from all of your social medias. But I'm really excited because tonight um, we are talking all things marathon. Now, not just a straight marathon. This is a freaking marathon off the bike. So it is hard work. And I think there's some different ways people train for this. I think Siri and I have it down pat on our approach to getting the best marathon possibly out of your legs off a 180k bike. It's very different to running a marathon fresh. You have to remember that, that too many people think that they have to train for a marathon in training and do a marathon to do a marathon off the bike. And it's just simply not true. Plus, it's going to completely destroy your body. So here's what we're going to touch on today. And let me know, guys, if you're tuning in right now, tell us where you're tuning in from. So excited to have you. I should be on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook tonight. Um, and I want to thank Becky for helping me out with this. My little assistant, Becky, she's just amazing. So shout out to Becky. Becky Not, if you don't know her, you should. Um, so the chat tonight is on the Ironman Marathon leg. And we are going to talk about how to train for the marathon, off the bike specifically, not a pure marathon because it's very different. We're going to talk about what are the key sessions for training for a marathon off the bike and believe me, it is including the bike as well, is a very important part of this. Why you don't need to run a marathon in training, why I don't think you need to, Siri doesn't, and either does Brett Sutton, top coaches in the world, and how to fuel and a little bit about blisters. Someone asked about preventing blisters. We're going to talk a little bit about that and shoe choice and stuff like that. So if you have questions specifically first about running a marathon or you're planning to run a marathon, it can be fresh or off the bike. Post them right now because I'm live right now talking about this. Post them up here and I'll say hi to Marge. How are you? I can see Megan Newman is on. Um, but let's start with how to train for the marathon leg of an Ironman. So it's 42.2 kilometers, obviously. And we've had a lot of questions lately on why don't you suggest training uh for a full marathon, why don't you train a full marathon in training? Because I don't believe you need to. So um, the first subject we're going to talk about is how to actually prepare yourself without having to do a full marathon. So it's so, so important, guys, to know that your engine, your cardiovascular engine, your heart and your lungs can get that conditioning from the actual bike, right? So you can get five hours and six hours on the bike to condition your heart and lungs and your legs. You may not get, may not specifically get the pounding, right? And the time in the legs of six hours that hopefully it won't take you that long to do the marathon, but you're getting the cardiovascular conditioning. And it's so important because the heart and lungs don't know what exercise you're doing. So they're going to adapt to training your lungs and heart to be as fit as they can over five or six hours on the bike. And that completely translates over to the run. So that's the first thing. So we always get our athletes building up from say, when they first start, it's usually about a four month program. If you're already relatively fit you can't just go into an Ironman program you obviously have done Olympic and hopefully a half Ironman and you've been doing triathlon for several at least a year I would say so we have a four usually about a four to six month plan and I know we're going to have some questions here 
Um, thank you, Annette. Um, so when we train, we train our body on the bike and on the run. So we start at like, say, um, probably around 45 minutes to an hour long run if they're coming off an off season. And remember, we have four to six months to train people up for this. And the long bike might start at two to three hours. And then over winter, do winter we do a lot of strength work, a lot of double bikes, and we don't do a lot of loading on the run over winter and over the off season or over the first few months just because you're much more prone to injury doing the run leg that's another important reason why we really feel like a lot of the conditioning can come and we're not saying you don't run our guys still run 60 to 100 kilometers a week but we don't ever have them doing more than a three-hour run that's the other point i wanted to make we never run more than two and a half hours and sometimes that's split up and people think it's crazy but reason being, again, cardiovascular fitness comes from the bike. So we build up to five or six hours on the bike, sometimes you know even over six hours. And the other workout that's really important to condition you for the marathon, we do five or six-hour bikes and then a really key brick, which is a bike run every four, eight, 12, and 16, and 20 weeks out. And that key brick will be a five- to six-hour bike with race pace Ironman efforts or faster, and then a really pretty tough run off the bike. So you're running under complete fatigue, okay, and you're running at a pace above marathon pace. We do above marathon pace for all of our hard runs off the bike for Ironman should be for us, for my athletes, how it works and how series work, they're running above, you're running above your marathon race pace. Okay, so you're conditioning your body to push harder than it's going to on race day, but you're also doing it on tired legs. Okay, you finish that session, it's seven, it's a seven-hour session, six to seven-hour session, that is going to take quite a long time to recover. But if you try and run three hours, even if it's not off the bike, a three-hour run is going to destroy your legs and it's going to bruise your heart. Your heart's a muscle and that bruises. And it takes a lot longer to recover from a three-hour run. So that pounding, that compounding on the bones and the tendons and the ligaments and the muscles, that three-hour run is going to destroy you even more than a six-hour brick, which would be a say, five-hour bike and an hour runoff just because of that weight bearing. And remember, riding's not weight bearing. So first point, you get your cardiovascular fitness from the bike, okay, and the run. And you're getting way more fitness because you're running at pace, above Ironman pace. And we we sneakily, I'll give you our secrets here, secret source, reveal it all. We do some pretty high-intensity runs off a really hard Ironman bike. And you definitely can ride 180K in training, not all the time, but you can definitely ride 112 miles in training several times and recover from that. It might take you a few days, right? Five days, seven days. could take people some bit a little bit longer. Some people take two or three days to recover. But you've got to get that conditioning from the high-intensity bike sessions and the strength work as well. But that condition you're going to get from running hard off the bike is going to be way better than trying to run a marathon and recover from that and then still fit in the high intensity during the week. If you try and run a three-hour run even several times, even once before um, your Ironman or try and compete in a marathon, that um, that damage, that delayed onset muscle soreness and the, that microfibril tears and the damage to the ligaments and the tendons and the time it takes to recover from a three-hour-plus run, and we always only go to two and a half for that reason, um, it's going to be so counterproductive to trying to also back up with the high-intensity run sessions. And we do do a lot. Siri was one of the top coaches, first coaches, and Brett Sutton to do really 
push um, high intensity efforts on the run, not necessarily just long, slow run workouts. And she will go anywhere from 5K, 10K, 70.3 pace, Ironman pace to train her Ironman athletes. And she's trained the best in the world. So um, they're all working at much higher efforts than their Ironman race pace. Everyone should be doing that because if you're just training yourself at Ironman race pace um, or your goal race pace, you're gonna not going to get to where you want to on race day. You should be running quicker than that multiple times a week. So at least hitting, say, a 70.3 pace um, multiple times a week. So make sure that my, 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 my advice as a coach is for the longest run, it should be about four weeks out and you should maybe do two and a half hours. If you are desperate to do three hours, we say do two and a half in the morning, half an hour at night. I don't recommend that to anybody above kind of 40. Um, especially women starting to go perimenopausal and especially men because men um, uh, tend to have um, less recovery because they have their testosterone for some reason, I'm not sure why, but whenever series train men, they recover, take a lot longer to recover, which sounds counterintuitive because they have testosterone, <laughs> but they take longer to recover from harder training. Um, or maybe they just have a lower pain threshold. Sorry, men, I didn't mean that. But women are born to give birth, so maybe it's because of that. <laughs> so, don't get upset with me, man. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm not kidding. Um, so I would say build up to two and a half hours, four weeks out. Then you're going to start to slightly taper it off. Like you might go two hours, 15, three weeks out, two hours, two weeks out. Then a week out, you're doing like one hour, 15. Actually take that back. Two weeks out, I wouldn't do more than an hour and a half. And I would go aim to get all of your aerobic conditioning in your, say, your uh, two-hour runs, like get a couple of two-hour runs in. You probably need five to ten two-hour runs in. Over the 16 weeks, I would say maybe, yeah, actually eight to 10 two-hour runs in, that's going to get you that conditioning in the leg. And even if the marathon is going to take you four, four and a half hours, even five hours, you're going to get that cardiovascular benefit from the bike and the bricks, okay? Your key bricks and your key um, – uh, sorry, your key long bikes and key bricks specifically because they're the longer sessions and you're running under fatigue. Um, so you want to make sure that after a long run, you're not completely exhausted. And I can tell everyone after three hours, you're going to be completely exhausted trying to run three hours. So some of my guys will only do two to two hours, 15, but we really work on the quality um, the following days. So say they do the long run on Sunday, then on Tuesday or Wednesday, they may have a really good high intensity run um, and then some sort of a build or a fight workout throughout the week too. Um, and we may even add like intervals during a long run. If you're trying to do a three hour run and intervals, you're going to be destroyed. Another real, really good tip for run speed is, and I'm just getting that feel for the run is cadence work. We still do turnovers and cadence work with our Ironman athletes, which is like 20 seconds fast, 40 seconds really slow or jog or rest, like 10 of those, 15, 20 of those build up after a hard brick, um, which is a hard bike, and start the run doing that so that you feel good going off the bike and you get your legs speed up. So we used to always say after an Ironman bike leg, run out of transition with really fast cadence for the first two minutes, just turn it over so you get into that rhythm and then settle back. And it actually really, really helps, but you have to practice it in training. So we do a little bit of cadence work off the bike as well. A lot of the time when we're doing a hard key brick, we do a five or six hour bike with the Ironman race pace efforts or above. So we do some Ironman, some 70.3, even some 40K efforts, plus some big gear, probably some climbing in there for five or six hours. And then the runoff might be 10 times 20 seconds fast, 40 seconds rest. And then you're going to, you say, 
the hardest session we ever did was like eight to 10 one milers. And I would be running those at 70.3 race pace. And by that I was destroyed, but I can tell you if I tried to run a three hour marathon the next day, there's no way I could back up training the following week. So I might do a two hour, very easy run. And we'd whack in like a 30, 40, 50, 100 swim session on the Sunday to recover the legs. So Hopefully that helps you guys, and I don't want to scare people off, and I also don't want people to think that they have to run a marathon in training. It's simply not true, and if it's a mental block, then get the get the uh, the mental strength from doing these really important key brick sessions and these runs and your high-intensity runs during the week. You have to be working at above your race pace to get faster. So we must have some questions, um, and I'll move on to – fueling for race day and stuff like that and blister, blister prevention and how you can feel better running a marathon um, off the bike. But let's see if we have any questions because I can see Megsy's on, Mary's on, Annette's on, Jeannie's on. Hey, Jeannie, how are you? Karen, my athlete is on. Congratulations. Karen is 65 and she won again, won her sprint triathlon second in a row after not really wanting to. She was a little nervous to sign up. She hasn't done a triathlon in 25 years, so I'm so proud of her. Okay, so if you haven't got questions for now, I will talk quickly about um, race day for the marathon and how to prepare. Oh, 66, you're 66. I'm sorry, Karen. But if you have anything specific on what I just talked about or if you want to challenge me, I'm totally open for that because this might not work for everyone. And I think sometimes what happens is that the age group is um, you guys have to remember that you work full time. Most of you, you have families, you don't have a nanny. A lot of you don't have a nanny and you um, don't get to recover, eat, sleep and just train like we do, like I did. So, I mean, I still coached and worked a little bit while I did it, but there's most prop pros I can guarantee you are not you know, having to deal with family kids or family pickups plus working full time. And the recovery that they have compared to you guys is insane. And a lot of my guys only do one workout a day and that's all they can get away with. So don't try and compare what the pros are doing to you guys because it's just going to destroy you and including the sessions and the workouts. Um, you know, some of the top pros may do three-hour runs, but they can probably have a massage, put their normal tech boots on, go and do cryo, do mobile um, mobility stability work while you guys have to, you know, jump in the car and be still not warming, not even warm down and take your kids to soccer practice. So it's really, really, really different. You've got to remember that um, they have the luxury of recovery and you guys don't have that. And that's another reason why I just don't recommend more than three hours. Siri never had Rini run more than two and a half. She's never had any of her top pros run more than two and a half. And some people say, oh, well, they only take three hours for the marathon. Yep, that's fair enough. But I also know that you guys take a lot longer to recover. So for you to recover from a three-hour run, it's just, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really, really tough. If you did want to train for a marathon and throw it in during the mix, you've got to remember that after a full marathon, fresh marathon, you're still going to take probably two weeks for your heart muscle to recover. It can take up to two months, apparently, for our heart muscles to recover. Morris, if you're listening, my athlete, wants to get back into training too quickly, but your heart muscles bruise. It can take up to two months for it to heal, which is so scary. Like, you have to really take care. So... Um, we'll go into nutrition, but I see a question from Kenya. How about a standalone marathon? Oh, I just talked about that. How important is the training different without the bike? Oh, it's very, very different. Um, it's very, very different, but I still know that marathon runners, uh, not a lot of them do many full marathons in training. I don't know many. They would race a 10K and a half marathon for training, and they may do a split, say, 32K. I, I see most of them go to about 32 kilometers. 
Um, but if they're going to do 42, they would split it over two sessions. They split it over two workouts or even three workouts because they have the luxury to do that. I would still say definitely if you're um, anyone but a professional runner, I do not recommend if you're running a flat straight marathon, I do not recommend doing it in training. I just don't think you need to. And, again, you can still go and ride. Go and do a three- or four-hour bike ride. Um, okay, go and do that. But or do it over split it over two days. I know Kenya, you had a question about you had an 18 mile run, um, and you wanted to do it over two two days. But like Jeannie had said, she's also a coach that um, the idea is to run on that fatigue and try to get it in in one day in less than 12 hours. Even though like at night in the morning it's still 12 hours, but you have that sleep recovery. It, the idea is it's pretty crazy, but it is to train you under that fatigue. So I would do 12 miles in the morning and then six in the afternoon if you wanted to split it up. And that's a brilliant idea if you're running 18 miles. I think that's a brilliant idea. If you needed me to answer that question, hopefully that helps. Um, okay, so let's talk about fueling for the marathon. The most important thing is that you get that fuel in on the bike. So I've always said, and it's funny because I have so many people that, you know, haven't done Ironman as a sport and they still give nutrition advice. There was an argument online I saw between some of the pros and stuff, but Tim Don was the world record holder. Jan Perdano is the fastest in the world. And I do believe that we got a question on any question app and it was about fueling and we both went by the old school. We were told it was very old school, but hey, if you're a freaking like six-time world champion, it obviously works and it worked for me as well. And I didn't win six world titles, but it worked for Tim Don as well. So um, the old school method is one gram of carbs. I got up to one and a half. Mickey Willardon will recommend one and a half grams. One gram of carbs per kilo of body weight per hour. And it's, that sounds a little weird to understand and comprehend, but it's basically saying if you're 60 kilos, you need 60 grams an hour. And Mickey has taught me, Mickey Willardon, who was working, I was working with um, for my fueling, she actually bumped me up to 1.5 grams, but you have to train your body to do that because you can only really store about 90 minutes. For me, it was about 90 grams of carbs. So um, you have to really be mindful that you don't drink too much fluid and then you get that hyponatremia because you just can't absorb it and you can't break down the carbohydrate or store it. So I would say um, 60 grams and no more than 90 grams an hour because it's very hard to digest and absorb. But some of the the higher, the top, top end pros and the guys that weigh maybe 80, 90 pounds, so 80, 90 kilos, they could probably just about get in 90 grams an hour. I was leaning more towards 75, like 1.1 and a quarter grams per hour. Um, so hopefully that helps. Um, you guys understand, yeah, the fueling. The fueling is so important. And you want it. So when I say that, it is hard to get that in in the run. You still want to be topping up. And when I say one gram per kilo of body weight per hour, getting 60 grams for me and as a 60 kilo athlete um, in the run was pretty testing. So I always made sure that I did it on the bike and a little more. So I did about I did about 75 grams an hour. And you've got to remember after the swim, people forget, you get out of the swim and you basically burnt an hour's worth of carbs. So I would have lost 60 grams. So as soon as I'm out of the swim, I had a 60 gram straight into me. I forget what it's called, ensure, but make sure you practice with it. Ensure, E-N-S-U-R-E, I think it's called. You look at Hawaii Ironman, Crowey, Luke McKenzie, all the top, Pete Jacobs, when they were all racing, all the Aussie boys, I think it's an Aussie product, they would pop that after the swim to give them that um, quick hit of carbohydrate. And I believe there's like 40 grams of carbs in that. So they were getting in almost enough because they swam about 40, 45 minutes. 
get that in. And then on the bike, you really need to be mindful to be getting in. The, for me, I'm 60 kilos. If you're 70 kilos, 70 grams, 80 kilos, 80 grams, 90 kilos, 90 grams. But again, a recommendation from Millie, uh, Mickey Willard, but I always did 100 mils per 10 grams, 100 mils of water, not electrolyte because it's too concentrated. And then you're bumping up the electrolyte, then you're getting your calculations out. So for every 20 mils or 10 mils of carbs, you need 100 mils of water. So for every 20 mils of carbs, 200 mils of water. Every 30 mils of carbs, 300 mils of water at least. Now, water is better because it absorbs better. Of course, you're still drinking your electrolyte, right? You're doing a whole, I would recommend on most conditions over like 80 degrees, you need at least one electrolyte and one water. So I know there's Gatorade, there's like conspiracy theories with Gatorade, but an electrolyte, F2C electrolyte, and a water every hour, and then I have my concentrated carbs in gels or a carb a carb drink, and mark your bottle so you see it, because then you're topped up for the run. So you get onto the run, and you're just topping up. If you can't get in one gram per kilo of body per hour in gels, like remember that Coke is really high concentrated and it's pure sugar. So if they have Coke on the course, don't worry about the freaking caffeine. Just once you start it, don't stop it. So have a sip of Coke. You might only get like 20 mils, right? Like that. That's not Coke, by the way. This is iced coffee. I know I'm addicted to iced coffee. Starbucks Anonymous, Becky. Um, but Karen Peterson knows what I'm talking about. But if you get a little cup of Coke like that and there's only 20 mils, it must still might be 20 grams of sugar. That's, that's your carbs. It doesn't matter how you get it. You can have a cup of Coke every one mile. That's 20 grams of carb every one mile. That's not enough. But remember, keep getting it in the run. You've got to keep topping up. You can't just wait. And you'll feel sloshy coming off the bike. I always try to say back off the last 20, 30 minutes of the bike leg so your tummy is adjusted. That one-to-one -one, um, 100 mils of water per 100 grams of carbs, I don't mean grab, grab like 100 grams of carbs and 100 mils of water and then wait another whole hour. If that's your if that's your carb intake, you have to sip it every 20 minutes, every 20 minutes, because you can't just expect your poor stomach under those conditions. And you've got to practice it in training. You should be sipping on it every 20 minutes is, is my recommendation. Set your watch and take 20. For me, it was so easy. It was 20 minutes, 20 grams, 200 mils of water. So easy. So if you need more details on that, reach out to me. But it's pretty simple. One gram of carb. Maybe, Becky, you can write that up there. One gram of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight per hour and 100 mils for every 10 grams of carbohydrate. Okay, 100 mils for every 10 gram of carbohydrate. Okay, why is this written in? I can't even, what's this question here? Can we do two and a half hours running instead of 32K workout? Yes, absolutely. And I don't know where you got the 32K from. Very rarely do we write... Um, that's so weird that's coming up as my name that I asked the question, but that's okay. Maybe someone reposted it. Maybe Becky reposted it. But um, so very rarely do we do distance on our programs. There may be somewhere we've thrown it in to make sure you're getting 32K in, which is two, basically three quarters of the marathon. Um, but you could do two and a half hours or 32 kilometers. Now, some people can't probably can't get, let's say, two hours. Yeah, some people are not definitely not going to get 32 kilometers in two and a half hours. But let's just do what you can in two and a half hours. That would be a great compromise. Um, Megan, thoughts on carbon-plated shoes for longer runs, races, Megs? You do not need them. Absolutely not. I'm not letting you. I think unless you're going for that 2%, guys, unless you're like, this is no offense, but honestly, they're really good for pros or age groupers that are going to run and try and PR their marathon or PR their you know, 21K and have perfect run form and they run on the balls of their feet. 
But if you're kind of like, you know, just wanting to get through a marathon and you know that you're just going to be shuffling the marathon, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous to waste money on a pair of carbon shoes. You know, they're made, they really are made for, for really good runners. Not that you're not a good runner, but they're made for runners with perfect form that want to go really, really, really fast. And they break down pretty quickly. And I think they're ridiculously priced. I wouldn't even wear a pair, to be honest. I'm not definitely not going to buy a pair for my marathon in January. Hey, if you want to run a marathon, by the way, we still have some spaces for those guys wanting to run a half marathon or a full marathon in January. Um, but unless you're running, say, aiming to go under one, I would say 130 for the half marathon and say under 315, 320 for a full that's my personal belief. I don't think it's worth investing in them. I think it can absolutely cause issues in pain, Megzi. I would not be doing that. And you've just had a knee surgery, so no way. <laughs> um, pancake syrup is 55 grams per two ounces. I don't know what that means, 55 grams of sugar. Yeah. I mean, this would be the only time I would say to you guys, I, you can drink, eat honey or eat syrup during the during training during racing because i just think even during training but other than that like it's it's really bad the fuel that we put our bodies in but you have to have that high instant um absorption and sugar is the best thing for it unfortunately <laughs> so it does sound weird recommending that um do we have any other questions you guys because i can put your question right up here okay so 55 grams of sugar per two ounces i don't know what oz means i'm aussie i only know metrics but Okay, I don't know what that means, but 55 grams, so Megzi, that's too much to have in one go. Your body will not absorb that. You want to probably have like half that. Um, so if you're like, say, you're 75 kilo, you want to have like three lots of 25 or something like that. Yeah, that's way too much sugar to absorb. Your gut is just going to go, uh, uh, not a fan. <laughs> so you definitely need to look at that for sure. And you want to break it up. You want to break it up into 20-minute lots. Um, any other questions, you guys? I think we've touched on most of it. I know we had a question on blisters, and I forgot to bring my socks up here. So I did a whole post on blisters um, not that long ago. And um, the reason why, and Ellie Salthouse told me this, that Jan told him that, the reason why they wear long socks is to make their calves look bigger for the guys and the girls want their calves to look smaller. But she started wearing them because she said that, that when you sweat, he told her when he sweats and he pours water over his head in an Ironman and he's wearing these socks that when the water drips down into the into the legs, because it's always going to drip down your legs into your shoes, um, there's much, much more absorption of the length of the socks. So the water's got to drip through all that length of the sock all the way down before it hits your shoe and you're always tipping water on and sometimes running through water pouring water on you if you have really short socks it's going to run straight down your leg and into your shoe and then you're going to get that squishy feeling and you're going to get that awesome awesome rubbing that you get in those i've had horrific third degree burn blisters that takes months and it's so painful so long socks fresh socks for the run long socks for the run um, in Australia, we have this amazing spray called Blistex, B-L-I-S-T-E-X, Blistex. It's unbelievable. Um, you can buy a blister spray, an elastoplast spray that covers your shoes, so it covers your feet 
with like an almost an extra layer of skin. There's a thing called second skin as well. So if you're prone to getting it on a certain spot, there's a there's a little pad called second skin and you put it on like a blister pad. There's blister pads too and you put it where the blister would normally be. But you got to wear socks in the run and you got to have fresh socks for the run. Um, and you want to make sure that the shoes that you're wearing are not too big but also not too small because they'll rub if they're too small but they'll also, if they're too big, they'll rub. So I always recommend going in training, like if they're kind of firm-ish and you don't have much room, you almost maybe need a half size bigger because your feet will expand in the heat. So your feet expand in the heat um, quite a lot, especially in a marathon because you have that um, lymph drainage issues normally and you get that swelling. So sometimes you want almost half a size more. Um, the second skin's amazing. The socks are amazing. Um, there are certain socks, I can't think of the name now, but that prevent blisters as well. You don't want any friction. Oh, and the other tip, you guys, don't get a freaking pedicure. Dawn Levy, Karen Peterson, don't get a pedicure before the freaking marathon. Worst thing you can do. I made the mistake in Hawaii one year before the race because I wanted to just relax. It was the only way to relax. And they shaved all the dead skin off the bottom of my foot and my skin was baby bottom smooth and it was so smooth that my sock, the rubbing and the heat that was the cause, it was atrocious the whole marathon. Um, and I just felt burning the whole time. And I know I talked to someone recently about the burning under their feet and they said, yeah, I did just get a pedicure. When they take that dead skin off, that dead skin there, even though it's ugly, it's there to protect you and you need that dead skin. Like when guitarists, like Melissa has those, Melissa Etheridge um, has those things, calluses on her hands from playing guitar because she needs that to play. Like you need that so you can have that conditioning. You have to keep that conditioning in your feet. So women do not get, and men, don't get a pedicure before the freaking marathon or before any runs um, or any races um, that you're really focused on because that is not a good option. It's not good. So keep that dead skin on there. I know it sounds terrible, but um, they're my blister tips. Um, any other questions, you guys? We have 11 people on. Do we have any questions? Never had a pedicure in my life. I've had a couple, not too many. I'd rather do the nail painting than the whole uh, dead skin thing. Well, that's good, Karen. You don't need to have one either. Um all right, anything else? Karen, do you have any tips for running? You ran your first half marathon ever at 66, I think it was. Um, any tips for anybody? Like insane, like you couldn't even run half a mile and then a year later you ran a half marathon. So, Karen Peterson, you're probably at work, but do you have any tips for anyone thinking, oh, I'm too old or I can't do it, I don't have time? Um, any tips for anyone thinking about signing up for the half marathon? I know we have a lot of Ethridge Warriors doing it. Um Type it up there. I'll give you a few seconds to type it up. But, um, yeah, let us know. I don't see any more questions on here, which is great, really. Hopefully I'll have informed you guys um, a lot on here. Um, if you see here, if you see the website coming across the screen, that's um, teamseriestriatclub.com. We have a free month, but hopefully by the time this, well, it's not going to go out. It's going to go out straight away. But hopefully soon we're going to, you'll see on our website um, and you'll see on our posts in the next four to six weeks, we're going to give away um, $1,500 coaching package. Um, it is for newbies though. So if you're already in our tri club, you can't win. It's only for newbies, but you can refer your friends and tell them to win. So it's a $1,500 coaching package. Um, we will let you guys runner ups get a free visor. If you enter, we'll do a few freebies, um, maybe three or four free visors. We'll draw those out as well. We're going to do that. But if you're a friend, got a friend that wants to sign up and hasn't, um, anyone who signs up, you can't already be in our email system, but anyone who signs up can get um, the free month, but also get 
$1,500 coaching package. So um, they go in the draw to win that. Sorry, we're drawing it in about six to eight weeks. So stay posted for that. And you guys can go in the draw and don't worry, we'll send you a prize. We'll send you a visor or something really fun. Maybe, Becky, we need a prize for um, the Tri Club as well. But the only thing is I don't think the system will recognize them because they're already the email's already in there. Okay, let me see what Karen's saying. Um, oh, Mary's asking, besides gels, what do you use as a source of carbohydrates on the marathon? Oh, there's so many, Mary McDonald. Um, F2C make a carbo drink. I can't think of the name, but F2C got an Endura, uh, in, glycodurance, I think it's called. Um, and that's just, I actually prefer glycodurance. I prefer a carb drink with water rather than gels. Gels just didn't sit well in my stomach. And a carb drink tends to absorb better. And F2C make an amazing one that is all organic, um, all natural, and um, also um, drug-free. It's uh, under the um, athlete anti-doping policy. So you can have it knowing that you're, for pros, knowing that you're okay to use it. Um, and they sponsor the Canadian Olympic team. Um, and it's also done in a way where it's absorbed like perfectly into the gut wall. And it, they've done so much testing. I do believe the science behind F2C is better than any other company because they do so much testing. They've been around for so long. Um, so many different ways. I mean, your, your, your Coke and your Gatorade has electrolyte, which is carbs. Carbs can be sugar. Carbs is sugar. Um, you can get it in your electrolyte, you can get it in gels, you can get it in carbohydrate drinks. Some people bring like on the run, I don't know, solids are hard for me to digest. Solids are hard for me to digest, but you could get it from the Stinger gels, you could get it from a Stinger waffle bar. Bars have bars, like protein bars have some carbs. I wouldn't recommend having protein in the run because it's so hard for your gut to digest that you're probably going to cramp. I just don't recommend that. Um, there is these, um, cliff shots. Cliff shots are amazing. They're like a little gummy. They're amazing. And they have like 12 grams of carbs per one. You have three, three tiny little cliff shots. And I think it's like 30 grams of carbs. Don't forget to have the water with that. Um, they're amazing. Um, yes. Eating dates and Stroop waffles. Yes. Nancy, I think that's amazing. Dates have high carbs. So you just got to remember that on the marathon, when you're under a lot of stress off the bike, your gut is under a lot of stress. Sometimes it does not do well with solids. So sometimes a carb drink might be better, but sometimes you just feel like a damn solid food because you're so sick of, um, gels and you're so sick of, um, fluid. So you might just need to find something that works for you and definitely practice it. So Karen's tips are make sure, oh, there's Jaxie. Look at that beautiful face. That's one of our rescue horses, you guys. Just so you know, um, most of the profits from this we use to go towards saving horses from slaughter and for lobbying the build a ban horse slaughter. And this is Jaxie. He's one of 35 horses that we've saved from slaughter. We're just about to uh, bring the bill, hopefully, to the house floor this year. It's going to happen. So check it out, guys. Horsesinourhands.org is our website. If you want to do something really amazing and just take 30 seconds uh, to email your legislator, I am putting the website up here right now. And you can literally go here and be a part of helping us end horse slaughter. Um, hopefully this goes through. I don't know what my Wi-Fi is doing right now. Uh, and we also have Believe Ranch and Rescue if you want to follow us on social media and horses in our hands if you want to follow us on social media. Okay, make sure you fuel. This is Karen's tip, 66 years old, did a half marathon after a year, not being able to run half a mile. Her tip is make sure you have fuel and water. You can do it. Age is a number. Believe in yourself and do the sessions. You will succeed. Boom. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Miss Jeannie, I've got a, Jeanette's got a question. 
What marathon program do you have for downhill? I'm doing a marathon in December. I'd like to get stronger. Well, all our marathon training would be fine for getting ready for downhill. I think the best way to practice for a downhill, if it's a downhill marathon, you have to run downhill. But in saying that, not all the time and not at speed because running downhill completely destroys your legs. It's not great on the knees. Um, so it depends what kind of downhill marathon it is. Is it all downhill? Is it really steep or is it really gradual? I would say that honestly, just doing a lot of hill runs up and down, up and down, running up, say, left-hand canyon and coming back down. But you've got to be mindful that you could run up hard and jog back down. When you're running downhill, especially in training, you're going to pull up really sore. Um, the sorest I've ever been from a race was running downhill flat out to a finish line. It was really steep, like 10%. And my quads and knees, it just destroyed them. So I'd be mindful of that. But the more running up and down hills, you could just find, say, left-hand canyons a really good one here in Boulder. It's like a 4% up to 8% grade, but average of 4 to 6%. And you would just run up on the road. And remember, guys, when you're running a marathon, you've got to practice running on the road too. Same with Ironman. It's great to do trails on weekends. But then once a month, you should be running on the road just to get if your if your marathon's on the road, which most of the time it is, just to get that weight bearing on the road because it's a different um, shock absorption for, for your legs. And if you haven't run on the road and done a little bit of path running and trail running, which as in like a concrete path, that that's you're going to struggle with that a little bit more because of that pounding. So you want to do a little bit of that with good training shoes, not race flats. Um, in training at least once a month for your long run, like alternate it, like do it once a month, once or twice a month to get that conditioning um, in the legs as well. But I would say, Jenny, yeah, just practice over up and down hills, um, go out and do a gradual climb and then jog the downhill. But I wouldn't be pushing the downhill because the recovery from that is going to be quite difficult um, from recovering from a really fast downhill run. So, yeah, I would just say downhill running. Great question, though. I wonder what percentage it is. I can't see what you've written there with the percentage. I'm not sure, but um, just be mindful that you do not want to get injuries happen with downhill running too because of that impact on the knee, the patella and the femur, just having that impact. Um, okay, so no more questions. Thank you, everybody. Um, this was amazing. It was so great to have you. Remember that Team Series Tri Club, we are going to have a $1,500 coaching package available soon. If you're already a member, we'll find a way to, for you to enter and win um, – win a second prize but it's really for newbies um and we'll you know you guys always get like your at least 37 dollars value back every month we do free taper plans you've got an eight-week training plan last month this month we'll have something coming up as well so we always try to give massive value um for you guys and of course our discounts with rudy project um we get our visors as well we've got our race kits merchandise um and we get our F2C Nutrition, Zone 3, Bont, um, Cycling Shoes, Quintana Roo Bikes. I think I said Rudy Project. But just such amazing sponsors. And Hyperice Normatech, anywhere up to 15 up to 60% off. So it's worth it in itself um, to get all those freebies. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Tricia, for sending that in. I'm so grateful. If you guys can click that link and send a letter, um, it would mean the world to us. Um, we're really, really close. Um, the bill is sitting in the subcommittee. It needs a full committee markup. It's called the HR 335 Safe Act to Ban Horse Slaughter. And any help would be greatly appreciated. You just have to go to, um, it's really weird for me to pin something like this, but I might pin it just so that you guys can see it if I can work it out how to pin it. Um, no, I don't know if I can do that. I'll star it. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you guys can go to that that link there. Here we go. I'll show it. 
um, that will send an email to your legislators to ask them to ban horse slaughter. We're closer than we've ever been in 20 years, and that would be a little way to give back to Syria and I. We would be so grateful. Also, if you have any veterans that you know of or first responders that want to do a free horse healing program, it's like equine therapy with Siri facilitating, reach out to us because we're holding one this weekend on Saturday, 9 to 11, for all first responders and veterans, absolutely free, allowing our horses to heal these people that really need healing. I know Becky's coming from our team and we'd love to have you as well. So um, just reach out to me. It's on our social medias under Believe Ranch and Rescue as well. It's on our website as well but it's for veterans and first responders. If you know anyone that could benefit from horse healing, um, we have other programs coming up too, but we would love to, oh, there you go. Becky's put it up. Thank you, Becky. We would love to see you or anyone that you think could benefit um, at our horse healing event. I'm putting that up. I'm going really random here because we're supposed to be talking about triathlon, but I think it's important because it's a great community here. So there you go. It's this weekend, the 27th, um, 9 to 11. There is a link there. Thank you, everybody. So grateful. This was awesome. Have an amazing week and, yeah, just DM me if you're in Team Serious Tri Club. We're always available. Just post in our Facebook group or just DM us. Thanks, guys. Bye.